This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. Welcome to the post-Ipswich Fox Motorsport Podcast. I am your host, AJ the Pit Lane Rogue. And alongside for the ride this week, we have Lewis Isaacs, a freelance motoring journalist. Greetings, everyone. And uh, David Reynolds from uh, Penrite Erebus Racing. Hey, boys. How's it going? Good. We'll have uh, Will Dale from uh, foxsports.com.au join us a little bit late, little bit later on. But uh, Dave, tell us uh, your first one back after your holidays. How was your break? Yeah, mate. It was really good. Uh, yeah, went to took my girlfriend, or she took me actually. Went to like Paris and Italy and Monaco and stuff, and yeah, Italy's pretty cool. Way better than Australia. There was a I, I was following your uh, social around. There was a lot of talk about uh, you apparently uh, in Paris, the city of love. Yeah, well, nothing happened, which I, is you know. I didn't feel love in that city. <laughs> no long term contract. All I, saw was, all I saw was like like policemen with ginormous guns looking at me. So that means that there's no uh, long pain gig anytime soon or anything like that? No, 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 there's nothing like that. I'm V8 supercar driver. <laughs> Stick well, to what you know, man. Well, exactly. You know, and you know, stick to what you're good at as well. Some days, yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, so, Lewis, uh, tell me your top me through your highlight for uh, for the past week. Uh, I was buoyed by uh, the form of Chas Mostert at um, Queensland yeah, Raceway. Very good, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we saw a hint of uh, you know a pro drive resurgence at um, Townsville when they had four cars in the top ten shootout and whatnot. But I think Chas's performance on Sunday particularly stood out because he was faster in the longer stint which is, um, you know, kind of something that's nice and indicative for them going into the Enduros. But the other three cars were, again, you know, mysteriously nowhere near oh. him. So that said a lot about his performance, I think. Um, obviously, it's the track well, that he had that, that breakthrough win at, you know, in 2013. So it's somewhere that seems to resonate for him. But oh yeah, I thought that was out, like an outstanding performance. And he, he matched McLaughlin on points over the round weekend, which is, um, you know, something we've not seen too much this season. He's very he's very good there. Every time he goes there, he generally comes away with podium or win or pole or something like that. So, so then it's funny. Like you always think about the car as being one aspect, but sometimes the driver does drive above the car, and I think that could have been one of the instances. But those pro drive cars there, obviously, we call it, you know the top sort of ten cars. We take the four triple eight run cars, the two DJR cars, and the two FPR cars. Oh, sorry, the four FPR cars, and then. You know, they are very, very, very good cars. And so, like, all weekend I was battling Waters, uh, Winterbottom, and Bright for, like, the back end of the top ten. So, you know, their cars are obviously a lot bet- better one- than what they were at Darwin um, after their, you know, mystery test day that they... They, they got wrong. Have, um, yeah, they done really good at. Well, I think it was kind of telling, <laughs> though, that they he had that, that good performance at QR against Triple Eight and... You know the Penske cars, and it's their test track, so that yeah. kind of added something else to his um, performance that weekend. It is, yeah. It's it's funny, like for the years and years and years, the, the Victorian teams always went to Queensland and won, and the Queensland teams always went to Victoria and won at their own test track. Shows you what testing does. Bit of overthinking. Yeah, yeah, it confuses you. Mm. That's what we haven't like at Erebus. We haven't done a test day. We've done one test day at the start of the year. And all our other stuff has just been testing at the track. And, like, I suppose, um, like, at Townsville, I think we did two practice sessions, 40-minute practice sessions, but at at the smaller ends, you get three 45-minute practice sessions, which is kind of a bit stupid, I think. I think we should have more practices um, at, at each racetrack. And I think you know, there's a couple of reasons why I think that, well, 
then you can you can actually knock down more test days, which is you know so that's just another discussion itself. But mm. it, it's better for the fans and it's better for the show. People who want to who are paying to go see the V8, they see more on track stuff, and that's what we're trying to give them. At the end of end of the day is more more of a show. Yeah, Do no, you agree? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can go to the, the F1 path. Yeah, where you you test at the track a few days after. Yeah, well, you know? yeah. but even they have, like, they their practice sessions are like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's massive. On the, on the Fridays, they get, you know, three hours of testing on the Friday, and the, the supercars get, what, a 40-minute, 30-minute, 40-minute session, mm. you know, a couple of that, so... Do you remember when they used to do practice on Friday, and it was like four hours long, but there was a maximum amount of laps you were allowed? Do you remember that? Uh, I can't really remember. I remember something, remembering something like that, but... I have a vague yeah, recollection, a but yeah. So, what what was your highlight from the weekend, Davy? Me, oh, obviously Chaz's drive on Sunday was phenomenal. Um, anytime you beat a Glockland or a Triple Eight car, you know you're you've done your job really well. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's still people like in you know you know the wild cars like Hazelwood obviously drove really well. Mm. Um, you know, at the end of that Sunday race, he was in, involved in a pretty good battle with Holdsworth and Simona and Blanchard and that, and that was pretty fun to watch. Well, that, that he was my weekend highlight is, you know, watching him go around, you know, not only in, you know, in practice one, in the, you know, the, uh, the co-driver's practice that he put it at top, but he also did a, had a really strong weekend. And yep. he's really put himself in the shop window for teams looking at, you know, if there's a, a Super 2 driver to step up to the main game next year, he's put himself well in, in the shop window. Yeah, he has. He definitely has. Uh, and the other thing we've taught... He's a young driver. Mm. He's got a lot of heart and a lot of grit, I think. And for this time of the season, too, it works out well for him because he'll be racing at every event apart from New Zealand because mm. he's doing the Enduro campaign and he's got the Super 2 races, you know, in between. So that's kind of the ideal preparation for some of these young blokes who want to do, who want to step up for next year all of a sudden they are relatively race sharp you know compared to everyone else but if i mean yeah. if he gets a main game drive it's purely on merit he doesn't have yeah. um the backing behind him to um you know to to gift him a drive uh, i'm using gift in inverted commas but you know he, he's done he's doing it the, the hard way you know he's doing the sausage sizzles he's going out to doing his own like you know sourcing his own sponsors yeah I, and he's got his head screwed on the right way which is good to see yeah, when you look at his car, like his DVS car, it's plastered and all these like different sponsors, mm. and you can tell he's just tried to make, I suppose, the best situation of what he's got. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, just how, that's that's how that's how you go racing. That's how everyone sort of starts going racing, unless they come from a really rich family. But, you kind of admire his background too a bit there because the way he started in Super Two, he was uh, you know. A young kid, you know, still a teenager essentially, and he wasn't expected to do much. And he's kind of, he's really worked his way up to it. And this year, he's kind of taken it to that next level where he's comfortably the fastest guy, you know, all car and driver package in Super Two. And then, yeah, in this this first opportunity in the main series, he's grabbed it and mm. he's not looked out of place at all. He's kind of embarrassed a few of the guys that have been there a bit longer than him. Well, the the one. What about the other wild cards? How'd they go? Well, that, that's a that's an interesting that's question and one that I was going to bring up is. You know, we kind of need to talk about how the wild cards went. Another Nissan Cup round. Yeah, Nissan Cup round, yeah. <laughs> Love the Nissan Cup. Um, Shea Davies finished 25th and 22nd. Uh, yep. LeBrock was 19th and then had a tangle with Caruso. Yeah, yeah. 
which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, Golding finished 24th and 21st. Yeah. So they, they certainly didn't embarrass themselves. And I th- actually think we should look back at the wildcard program. It was really the first year of it. I'm going to give it the big tick and say it's a, been yeah. a success. It's been a great success. Yeah. I mean, how cool is the field look with 30 cars? Yeah. And, and beyond Mate, that, it looks though. looks like there's so many cars there. Beyond that, you've got to think, it wasn't just for the drivers. It was a good chance for the teams to step up, too. Mm. And there's, you know, there's really been a season where there's been, you know, no wreck movement. So now all of a sudden you've got a team like, you know, Matt White Motorsport that, you know, have proved they can kind of make that next step up. Step up. Um, Matt Stone's the same again. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of positives across the board as well as, you know, the young drivers getting some valuable mileage. Yeah. And I, like I know, there's been talk. Uh, there's been talk a while about promotion and relegation between you know Super Two and the main game, and you know teams switching up. But I think having the wildcard program kind of alleviates that a little bit because you have teams who want to go and race a couple of races to see how they fare against the main game teams, and um, who don't have to commit to a full season. And it's no longer at the Bathurst too, where the previous wildcards used to kind of stack up. That's a lot of pressure for a team. Um, you know, the, the biggest show of the season, enduro races, long pit stops, etc. So mm. for them to get a chance to kind of meet the guys on their playing field in the sprint rounds, which are renowned for being intense, is, yeah, a really good kind of... Um, it, it spoke a lot about Super 2, I think, as yeah. much as anything else. And I think I think as the wildcard program got stronger, so did the guys' race craft as well. They certainly, apart from LeBrock and Caruso having a tangle... We didn't see the amount of incidences that we had in the earlier rounds where they were, you know, out the, you know, they had their first two rounds on track. Yeah, it's true. It, but it, make, it forces you to step up. Yeah. Like when you go from the deep, well, Super Two, whatever they call it these days, into um, the main series, you just, you just, it's just a massive jump in competition and skill level, and it makes you rise to the occasion. Mm. And that's that's probably why they wanted to start the wildcard program. And I, I, I rate it. I think it's really cool. They, you definitely get a bit of a shock, I think, when you go from, you know, the, the very top of, you know, one category and then you're sort of down in the 20s in the next category. Like, it's, even though you're driving the, the same car, yep. it's just a completely different playing field. Yeah, and it's... Like, Every, it's all... All, the, all the drivers, sorry, all the drivers in our category in supercars, they're, they're that well in tune with the cars and that, they're that on top of it that it's so close. Like, you look at, look at qualifying, what was the top 20 separated by? If you take out the obvious, you know, McLaughlin, who's sometimes a few tenths clear of the field, that that next sort of band is separated by a couple of tenths. Yeah. And that, that can incorporate almost 20 cars. Which Ridiculous. is, yeah, absolutely incredible. Like, it's um, it, it's incredible how tight it is. And to see those guys who are, you know, kind of fit in with that band as well um, is, is really good. Maybe it says something mm. about the guys at the back end of the grid. Maybe. Hey? Maybe hey. it says... No, not you. Maybe it says something about the other guys at the back end of the grid, though, that these young kids can step up and kind of match it with them. Yeah. Well, Hazelworth started twentieth on both Saturday and Sunday, and so he Hazel was the. Wood. Yeah, he was the he was the highest. You said of, Hazelworth. <laughs> <laughs> Hazelwood. Hazelworth. Hazelwood started twentieth <laughs> on both Saturday and Sunday, which is the he was the highest starter amongst all the all the wild cards. So. Um, you know that's a that's not a bad starting position for for that team, and for someone who didn't do the previous wild cards too. Mm. You know that that speaks volumes about his natural speed in those cars too. Where's his test track? 
QR. So he tested QR the Friday before. Mm. But Dave, you know, you've been a co-driver as well. Um, in that co-driver role, does that you know adequately prepare you for the sprint rounds, or does something like this kind of bridge that gap again? Oh, you mean the co-driver sessions? Do they add anything? No, no, just being a co-driver because everyone says you know like. You know, you can find a, a driver who's fast enough as a, as a co-driver, but are they going to be fast enough on their own? Does this kind of help bridge that gap? Well, yeah, the more laps you can do in the cars, the better. But when you're a co-driver and you go to like the, the big races, you, you're generally paired up and racing against other co-drivers. So you never really get to find out what it's like to race a main series driver, even though most of the co-drivers come from main series drivers. But, you know, when you step out of the game for a bit, a couple of years, and, you know, the, the competitive spirit seems to diminish a little bit and you know you're not not well in tune with the cars you just you just can't drive them the same there these cars need to be driven all the time and you need to be in them all the time to understand the you know the, the small tiny movements they make and what the car's telling you to do so mm. it's it's just a really it's just a tough category it's and then you look at djr how they've gone from you know, mid-pack to front of the pack this year it's just a just mind, it blows your mind being in the sport as well to understand how you can do that. Like, I know that how they've done it. Well, go on, tell us. Just, well, they just have more grip and more power than us. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah, that's a cheat code. Well, it's, it's the same old story. Everyone in front of me cheats, and everyone behind me can't drop for shit. <laughs> well, let's let's the same old story. Let's touch on Shell V Power Racing. McLaughlin had an absolute blinder again on the weekend, but yeah. Both days, his starts weren't the best, and that's kind of let been his Achilles heel. Even though he qualifies great over one, one lap, and yep. through those qualifying sessions, as soon as it comes to the race, he's he looks like he's slow off the off the clutch. The old Mark Mark Scaife scenario <laughs> wasn't he the same? He used to always qualify at the front, and then just get horrible starts, and then yeah. have to work his way forward again. Yeah, except when he jump started at SMP and led the the. The first lap by half a half a field half a uh, half a lap. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, in the uh, he was in the Sega Saturn car. Oh no way! Yeah, it's, old yeah. school. Yeah. Anyway, That's get the really VHS out. Yeah, I think I think we rolled yep. it last year. But that <laughs> so McLaughlin start seems to be his Achilles heel. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, it's just, you just got to work on your starts. Mm. You know, it's all about your throttle position and your, you know, your warming and all that stuff and it's, it's it's really easy to get bad starts I can tell you that I've had plenty of them mm. well maybe it's a result of sitting on the, the grid too long because he's always first well, up there perhaps point. you know that is another point the the further you are up the grid the harder it is to get a good start because everything you know the pressure sort of drops out of it you know your, your clutch temperatures goes away a little bit and it's if you if you start off the back row, you get a blinder all the time. But if you start the front row, it's really hard to get a good start. That's true. Mm. We always talk about it, and he's always on the front row, so you know he's going to get harder starts than anyone. But yeah, Mostert did get a really good start that one. Yeah, and it kind of made his one look double as doubly as ordinary. Well, it's, and and also you know Scotty Max now extended his lead because Winkup had an absolute shocker, shocker on Sunday. Shocker on Saturday, poor fella. Yeah. I don't actually remember what happened. Like, he came into the pits, and then I never saw him again. Was it the, the air jack or something didn't come up? Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Um, the air jack didn't come up, and the, uh, there was, you know, they, they um, started to fuel and then realised that the, the car hadn't gone up, so they pulled the fuel out, and there was howls for, you know, it should have been a penalty. Penalty. But yeah, the stewards kind of erred on the side of caution and said, no, look, they 
kind of he got a big enough penalty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they can't take any more points off him. No, and then, yeah, I know. What do you what do you end up that race? I can't remember. Twentieth on Saturday. Yeah. 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 He yeah. was. Uh, yeah. Finished twentieth. But yeah. he did start low as well. Like he qualified ninth and then was given a penalty. Yeah, so five five grid places. It wasn't yeah. an ideal performance from him. I guess you know prior to that. No, I mean that I whole he was week. Just in front of me at the time when he pulled in the pit lane. Yeah. But then when I pitted, I was expecting him to come out in front of me. Like a, you know, but I never saw him again. So maybe you guys just did then, an excellent job. Us did. Yeah. In pit lane. Yeah. Well, we did. We we did a really really blinder stop. We did three tyres on the first race on Saturday, and we had uh, we were one tenth off the Slade car, which is you know synonymously known as the best best pit lane time. They've always got the best mm. pit stops in pit lane by far. Yeah. And we were only one tenth off them, and they did two tyres, and we did three. That's all right. Yeah, Barry's mentioned Man, the that boys, before. The boys have been practicing. Mm. I kid you not, they've been practicing really well, and I'm so proud of them. Good stuff. So proud. Well, yeah. I think the other what thing of proud mother. The other thing of McLaughlin over that weekend was um, that Fabian also kind of he recovered from poor qualifying, but that gap at the, at the lead extended, and you know he's got nearly 150 points going into Sydney Motorsport Park. And, and almost a race. Yeah, heading into the Enduros, that must just be a, a huge thing mentally where he, he knows he doesn't have to put excessive like pressure on himself You know, if he doesn't win the race. Mm. you know, Obviously, everyone wants to win, and, and Bathurst is, is the big one for them, but in terms of managing the championship, that's, that's massive. Cause that's what we saw with Shane last year. I remember Frosty, when he finished second at Bathurst in 2015, he took that gamble to go on the, um, the dry tyres and kind of move through the field, but... It's the right time of the year for him to be doing that, and uh, that must just be huge. Yeah, it's almost a full race in front of the whole field, which mm. is pretty ridiculous, but he, he's got pace. Yep. And that's the best thing to win championships. You've got to have pace. Pace fixes all your strategy, all your problems. Even if you get a poor start, you can easily pass, not easily pass people, but it gives you the opportunity to pass people. Yeah. What was it? So he'll be going in the next couple of races laughing. And it, I'm sorry to say this, but it, if it ends up, if it keeps coming down this road, it's going to be a boring old uh, climax at the end of the year when we come to Newcastle because we'd have a champion already. Well, the other thing, though, Dave, is you look at Townsville and he was outpaced by Wink up on the Sunday. Mm. And then you yeah. go to QR on the Sunday and he was outpaced again. So, you know, it's not like... It can be done. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's not a foregone conclusion, but he's certainly making it no. hard for everyone else and, and they're making it hard for themselves too when they're not... when they're having bad weekends and he's, you know, winning. So he's, he's maximising that gap. Yeah, there's there's a certain there's there's definitely a difference between your qualifying pace and your race pace. Because mm. like you saw on the weekend, Lowndes at uh, Townsville couldn't qualify to save his life, but always finished up there. And he qualified really well this time. He was, I think he was on the front row one day. Yeah, yeah Saturday. And yeah, on Saturday. And then where did he finish? Back Fifth. in the pack. I'm yeah. back in the pack. But, mm. You know, he didn't didn't do his usual Lowndes thing, which was. You know, really good at race pace. So you know, you, you obviously got to. That shows you got to change your car a little bit. It's just a very fine line of making it fast for one lap and then making it too loose for the race and blow your tyres out. That Saturday mm-hmm. race for Lowndes, they pitted early, like really, they, they like did pit super early, lap That's, six or something. Yeah, and that threw them back in the pack, and they just kind of never recovered. You know. Yeah, well, we pitted early too. I think we pitted like at lap. I don't know, seven or eight or something. And then after the race, because we put it so early, and if we split it, if we split the strategy half and half, so it was like a 39, 40 lap race, if we did 19, 20 laps yep. on each set, 
they said we lost about eight seconds eight seconds from our optimal strategy, wow. which is just from maximising our tyre group. Yeah, eight eight seconds is like, huge. Eight seconds is huge. Like I finished, uh, say, twenty seconds off the pace, off the leader, which oh, I think I was tenth. Yeah. And if I finished eight seconds further up, I would have been sort of fifth or sixth. So yeah, that's a big jump. But yeah, so um, but at the time, Al, my engineer, just said. You know, we've got to try and undercut some people. So we tried to undercut some people, but the problem is at the end of the race, I've got nothing to fight with and people can pass you pretty easily. Well, we saw that at, at Townsville. That there was a few, a few people that went past you quite aggressively to try and get uh, you to move aside. At the end? Yeah. Oh, no, on, the, on, on the Sunday? Mm. Yeah, well, that's, that's another thing. Like my, my qualifying pace was better on the, the Sunday at Townsville. I think we I think we're done like a 1 minute 12, 5. One day, one minute twelve six, and then the next day, I did like a one minute twelve two, which is you know a lot like it's a big big jump. Yep. And we left the car, we half left the car for, for qualifying to the race on Sunday, and it was just a box. Like it did it did a one or two laps good, and then it just blew the tyres out. I couldn't brake, I couldn't I couldn't drive, and that's why you saw everyone passing me. I went from second on road to a finished eleventh. Yeah. Yeah, it was just depressing. <laughs> but just goes to show you how much. You know, we we only move our car around a tiny bit. We only we do very very small changes to try and it, it responds a lot to our small changes. So it shows you just how hard these cars are to set up, and and it's it's, it's just a difficult game, man. So it's so challenging when you sit down and think about it. And you've got all these you know numbers in front of you. All, everything can change from roll bars, springs, roll centers, toes, cambers, pressures, you know, your squat numbers, yeah. Man, it's just—it's just a mind, mind. <laughs> it really is. It is. We'll go back to Chaz again. He's a former teammate of yours. Um, you know, and you were obviously driving alongside him before he had that that massive accident at Bathurst. Yeah. Y- your, your former boss, uh, Tim Edwards, said he's you know back to career best form. Do you think that's a, a kind of a a fair statement there? Um. Oh, it's. I don't know, it's just, I suppose it's just a statement. <laughs> right. If, if, when, when you race for, you know, when you've got a boss and stuff and you're going well and they, they pump your tyres up, it's really good. But on the flip side, when you're going bad, they kind of look at you differently and they try and come up with reasons why you aren't driving so well. Or, But they don't understand. If you put a different front spring and you go three tenths faster, you go from 15th to 1st and you look like a hero. And that changes your whole cycle, and you can drive the car better. And but it's like Chaz's uh, prime example. Uh, when he was going really good in 2015, he was you know pole all the time and winning races and whatnot, constantly on the podium. Adam Debore was his engineer, and they've worked together for years and years and years. And obviously, Adam understood Chaz very, very, very well. Mm. And then the next year, 2016, uh, Adam goes to DJR. And um, Chaz gets my old engineer, Brad Wusserson. And Brad was probably one of the best engineers I'd had at that point. He was super smart, super calm. And I had the best year of my life, I suppose, in, in terms of racing results with Brad. And um, Chaz, just, I don't know, just Brad and him, you know, they got along as people. But I don't know, it wasn't the same sort of feeling that I understand what Chaz has been from Adam. So then the next year, I think, what did Chaz finish last year in the championship? Oh, he was... You know? No, not off the top of my head, but I know he wasn't... He yeah, no wins. No. Yeah, no wins. Not. You know, I think he had a few poles or something, but, you know, obviously the kid's got 
raw talent. But mm. then, you know, fast forward 2017, get Adam DeBoy back into the fold, because he's going really good again. So obviously Adam can understand and interpret what Chaz needs from the car, and they keep it pretty simple from my recollection. They yeah. keep it very simple. Chaz's notes are very simple. Adam works off that, works on the car. Bang. But what about confidence and, and other things too? Because he looks like he's, he's fitter than he's ever been as well. Like he's, yeah, he he's, looks he's, really fit. Yeah. He's slimmed down quite a bit. Do you think that's playing a role in it too? Or you know, perhaps that last year oh. was still a bit of a recovery from that massive injury? Um, well, he's got a new girlfriend, so that's going to make you want to look better naked. Yep, that's that's <laughs> fair call. Yep. on the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fitness thing, is it's a very, very small part of our game. It's not everything. Like I said, it's... It's a mechanical game. Most of, most of the drivers out there, it's, they can they can drive the car for two hours flat out, no dramas. It's, mm. it's just what we get paid to do and what we've been doing for 20, 25 years. So, you know, everyone's really good at it. So the fitness fitness thing, it's just a, I don't know, it's just, I suppose it's a new invigorated Chaz because, I, I don't know, it's all about motivation at the end of the day and what motivates you is to win races. Oh, oh man, I'm just so <laughs> lost the plot. Really lost the plot. <laughs> See um, now I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with reasons why he's going really good, but you know, day he's got a fast car and he can drive it well. Yeah, and you know, it's it's good to see that he's back up there. He's you know, had two race wins this year, you know, Phillip Island, which was you know, he says wasn't on merit, but on the weekend they had outright pace and he's That's he, merit, bro. Yeah, exactly. On the weekend it was pure Absolute, pace. Absolutely. Unbelievable. But then you look at Mark in in the same team, Mark's the you know, the only champion inverted inverted commas in that team, and he, um, you know, he's going okay, but not 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 on the level as Chaz. And you know, he's had an engineering switch again um, for probably the fifth time in five years. He's had an engineering switch, so it just it just. And if if you're not talking the same language, and you know, you're not respecting each other, or you know, you're not making the right changes together during practice sessions, it just compounds and. You know, one car one car goes forward, one car stays the same. It's, yeah. You need you need the whole mix. It's like a cake. You know, <laughs> you have your whole eggs, flour, sugar, everything in there. It tastes beautiful. If you take the sugar away or take the eggs away, it turns to Now, there was one incident that across the weekend that didn't get caught on camera and didn't really get any coverage. But your teammate had an electrical fire on Sunday. Yeah, he, he did. He had, his car was on fire. <laughs> Someone that never made the coverage, which I, I thought that'd be the best thing that happened at Queensland Raceway <laughs> for the weekend. So what what happened there? Was it like a wire loose or? Well, I don't know. I think two wires in the few, like towards the fuel tank side must have shorted out or something, like crossed each other, and then uh, one of those freak things that just caught on fire, and the poor kid, he poor Dale. Uh, got it back to pit lane when he probably should have got out of the car because he <laughs> inhaled a lot of smoke and he, that night he was sick, sick and he threw up a couple of times, he said, and, yeah, he had a few after effects, which is not good, but, man, poor guys. Yeah. Poor guy had a had a average round. And well, I was going to say, he, um, he the was end. the only one penalised on Sunday twice for blocking in qualifying. Yes, I know. <laughs> which is... You know, it's the the blocking thing. We, we I think we kind of need to touch on because it's at what point does it become dangerous? Well, there's always two sides to the argument. I've been on both sides. I've been you got to 
they always talk about going in sync with all the cars and going out of sync with all the cars. And if you go out of sync with all the cars, which is, you know, when they push back and mm-hmm. whatnot, if you go out of sync, you're always going to lend yourself to a high-risk situation like that where it's going to go horribly wrong, you're going to get forked, and it's going to waste your time out there. Or you can go with the whole train of cars like most people do and get your lap in and that's it. But some people, I don't know, they just try and go out of sync for maybe heating issues or cooling issues or tyre temp or tyre pressure or something like that. I'm not really sure, but it's, I don't know. It's just part of the game. As drivers, it's it's really, really hard to see who's on a lap. You know, you, mm. you have your lights on and stuff, but most drivers, when they come in and get their new tyre set, they leave your lamp with their lights on Yep, because they haven't taken them off from the time before. So, Well, it was... You know, it's just... Even though it's not not a written rule on in the rule book, you know, when you're on a on a fast lap on a qualifying lap, you leave your lights on. Yeah. Even though it's not written, it's sort of an unwritten rule. Um, some people we take the or we just forget that they're on. It's yeah, well, do they have to change the qualifying rules again there? Because people seem to think, or fans seem to think that you know they're just waiting for a big incident before they react. And there was one a couple of years ago with Webby and um, and, Mer- and yeah. for Adelaide. Massive. That was that was massive. And massive. It kind of almost, you know, put an early end to Murph's career. He missed a lot of races through the, the injury that came through that. So yeah. do you think there needs to be a change in terms of the format or is it just driver well, behaviour needs can, to improve there? What can they really do? There's not there's not a lot they can do. The 50% upper and lower like they used to do or they still do in, in DVS, which is not fair on the lower 50%. Yep. Or, and it's not fair on the, on the upper 50% if Carrera Cup was on the, on the track before and then the lower 50% qualify and then they've got the best track available to them. So that's not fair. So do you think it's something the drivers need to resolve amongst themselves then? Yeah, but what, what, what can we really do? There's not a lot we can really do. In the, in the, in the, um, Matt, in the driver's briefing, they spoke about giving, they worked it out if we give each, each car 17, 17 car lengths of, um, length in between all the cars, we should be fine. 17, how am I going to measure that? Yeah, how are you going to measure that? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Oh no, it's just, it's, a, it's just a hard scenario and it's, there's always going to be dramas with it, especially the shorter tracks. The longer tracks, no dramas. Shorter tracks, you're always going to have... You know, maybe they could even cut all the shorter tracks out. Yeah? Yeah, well, I like the shorter tracks. And we don't they... have to go to Queensland Raceway anymore. <laughs> but what about Tassie? We don't have to go there anymore. Oh, sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Not really, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> I, I like the short track. I think it, it adds a little bit of, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's vintage. Yeah. That's the real retro round when you go to somewhere like mm-hmm. Tassie where there's facilities haven't changed for 50 years. But there's well, always... What they should have done back in the day when they when they built that track was just make a, an oval track with like a few degrees of camber <laughs> and just had a full oval track, like a really fast motor speedway. Like cold we up. had to race on it. No, like not, like that's got really big banking. That's I'm a massive banking, like yeah. Like, that would have been awesome. Well, imagine us rolling up there and have to run, like, Dagger and all that cool stuff. Mm. Would it have been so different? I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's someone out there who'd, who'd consider they're always trying to build new tracks in Australia, even though QR is the most recent one on the calendar and it's, you know, nearly 20 years old now. Is it really the most recent one? Uh, most recent permanent one. Yeah. Until uh, Talon Bend, if that joins next year. And. New car being Newcastle's not a permanent circuit doesn't really count, but yeah, it's Callum's the next one. And there's a whole bunch of circuits up and down the east coast and around that are getting built. It 
I don't know if they're going to be homologated for supercar use, but it's good to see some per more permanent circuits being built. It's always talk, but you don't really see any asphalt yeah. laid down, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So maybe the Talon Band is the one for now. Well, Davey, thanks for joining us this week. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. And we will see you after the next round at Sydney Motorsport Park. Possibly. <laughs> might be on holidays again. And now it's time to bring in Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Hey boys. It's good to have you on the uh, on the program, Will, once again. It's lovely to be here. Lovely <laughs> to be here. <laughs> um, so we, we're chatting about permanent circuits and, and things like that and how the success of the, the wild cars. Nissan had an absolute shocker again at, at QR. Will? That's unfortunate. Wh what's, the, what's the answer there? If, if I had it, goodness knows, I'd go tell Nissan. I'm sure they'd give me a few coins to give it to them. Um, I don't know. It's just whatever has happened with the tyre this year has clearly impacted their setup. You look at a guy like um, Michael Caruso. Was a, well, was, he was a race winner last year. He was a threat for pole positions, often in the top 10, qualifying on race day. And this year, he's back scrapping with the wild cards. I don't. I know that they've. I know at the start of this year they also lamented um, horsepower. Again, they felt they'd slipped slightly off the pace of their rivals. Again, after having finally caught up, but I don't. Th I think it's one of those things where it's, there's no one silver bullet. And even when everything does finally go right for them, there are top five cars. Rick Kelly was at, as Rick Kelly has shown over the last couple of events only to um, accept he ran out of luck on a couple of occasions. Well, you, you have to go back a few years with Nissan, and you recall that they were forced into running the 5-litre the V8 when they thought they could do a couple of different things at the time, and then they had to re-homologate the aero kit twice, and they've kind of been up against it with the engine ever since. We're at the stage now where perhaps, you know, Gen 2 is going to be that silver bullet for them. There's been, um, you know, a bit of chat about where Nissan Motor Company stands with that, uh, you know, in theory, the Gen 2 rules open up Nismo to, you know, as they say, pick an engine from their shelf because they've mm. got so many different motorsport programs around the world. But it's it's a strange situation they're in now where they're racing an Ultima that you can't buy, um, the mm. current model, and you won't be able to buy it next year when they're going to race it again. So they're in this, this situation where, you know, Holden's going to start competing with their V6 at select rounds next year, but they're standing still again, and you wonder whether they should be looking to expedite something perhaps there. Uh, it's obviously a lot of work and a lot of money, but on current form, it just seems impossible for them to, to make that massive leap that DJR Team Penske did. It's it's a strange thing, and having six of them there, um, you know, it didn't seem to add anything. They've always had four cars, so there should have been plenty of data. There's nothing wrong with the drivers, like even, you know, across the entire length of the program. Todd Kelly's as mechanically minded as anyone else, you know, in pit lane. Rick's a former champion. Mm. Caruso's their, their top guy. Mm. James Moffat won a race for him, which was, you know, an outstanding performance, and he matched Caruso. Dave Reynolds loves Dale Wood, and he seems to bring value, and Simona's good. But there's just... Uh, it, it seems staggering that it hasn't quite worked out for them and, and why it's taken so long. Well, their top finisher was Rick Kelly on Saturday, who finished 8th. Everything else was a 13th, 12th, 18th, 15th. It's all around that mid around that mid-pack. You know, it's, it's that 10 to 
whatever. And they're nowhere in the championship either. It's not like they've had a good race where they can kind of push themselves up. Rick's 14th. Mm. And I don't think anyone in the sport doubts his credentials as a driver. You know, he hasn't certainly lost anything over the 10 years since his title. Um, he's always been remarkably hungry for success. And that's the reason they went out and did their own thing with Nissan because they thought that was going to be how they'd win a championship. But the wheels seem to have fallen off in the last, you know, six months with this season. And it's, it's such a shame to see because they should be doing better. Don't forget, Rick is the only guy who has sort of taken a pole position this year that is not driving a triple eight or a DJR Team Penske car, mm. which is an impressive feat in itself. But but then that kind of stands, in a way stands out even further as to how how was that possible? And when you look at the race that followed, sure he went out with a throttle drama, but he was only like they were in a position where they were only really realistically on for fourth or fifth. You can, you can talk about the level of competition in the series, but they've had enough time to kind of figure it out by now. Um, they've had some good people there. Like, Scott Sinclair seems like a very astute kind of uh, character and someone who runs a team. I know other drivers have mentioned the fact that they've only got a handful of engineers that actually work full-time in the facility because a couple of them work remotely and the like, but it's just such a, a strange thing watching that team not kind of meet the expectations that it's, it put on itself initially. And they've had stability as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They've had stability as well. You look at the guys who have been there the whole time. Scott Sinclair. Uh, I think Alex Somerset's probably the highest profile engineer off the top of my head that has left that squad. But Michael Caruso brought Stephen Toddkill with him. And as a combination, they've been together all this time. Driver lineup wise, the Kelly brothers and Caruso have been there all this time. It's, yeah, it's. It's unusual to have that level of continuity in a team in the paddock, I suspect, and not not consistently achieve levels of success. Well, we, we head to Sydney Motorsport Park next. They've had you know varied success there, but you know that we've you know we've had preseason tests there where they've gone quite well. They were fastest. The fastest. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, do they? Look at SMP and go, that's going to be a track for us. We know how to go fast there. We'll do okay. Or do you go, you know what? Let's not worry about that. Let's start planning for Bathurst. Because they, they had, they've always talked through this year that they've had upgrades that were coming. Everything, you know, it's always coming, coming, coming. Do you focus on Bathurst and go, right, that's the one we want. If we're going to win any, anything this year, let's sacrifice our results at SMP and Sandown. And go for, go for Bathurst. Well, in terms of points, you'd go Sandown. Sure. Because it's, it's equal points to Bathurst and it's half the distance. I don't think they're the kind of, the kind of team that operate like that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd want to do well everywhere. And if anything, Sydney Motorsport Park's probably the, the track where they could, you know, grab a result given the Ultima is pretty generous on its tyres and it's a high-degradation track. That's, that's one of the characteristics that, that could suit them there more than somewhere like Bathurst where they rely on horsepower, for example. So I think that's probably a step too far to put all their eggs in that one basket for that one race there. But not everyone knows who won Sandown. That's true. So if I'm, sure, gonna... I'm sure if a Nissan won Sandown, Nissan would make sure everyone knew that Nissan had won Sandown. Of Sam course. Newman had a pole there, didn't he? Well, yeah. You know, it's, it's a famous race. But <laughs> but if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna win one race a year It's yeah, it's gonna be Bathurst. So, you hmm. know, do you put all your engineering might into that, knowing that you may be down in horsepower, but you can do some other stuff to, to help you through. 
Well, that's been but the case what, with what, them a few years, though. They've always been pretty quick across the top, but it hasn't really resulted in any meaningful results. Like, Moff had the podium. Yeah, with Taz. In that crazy race, though. Yeah. That, that said more about circumstance and for the overall car pace and, you know, just good driving from a couple of guys there. Um, and, and you look at a few years before that when we had the, the wild cards and they were designed to do the opposite. They were designed to be fast in the straights because they figured no one could pass around the top. But if you're quick in a straight line, then you'll you'll do a lot of um, do a lot of your work there. So it, it's going to be hard for them to kind of turn it around by Bathurst, I imagine. Well, I think... Also, really? Well, the other thing really? I'd add, though, is that it's on last year's tyres. Yeah. Which they know from last year. Yeah. Um, it, it'll kind of point the finger at the fact that if it is the tyres from this year that have really kind of hurt them, then there is no excuse at Bathurst because it's something they've they've known for the last few years and they can't blame this new construction. Well, the other thing to, to take note is, is Caruso got caught in another silly incident with a wildcard. You know, at Winton it was Shea Davies. At Ipswich, him and Jack LeBrock came together, which is not a good look. Although they're two different teams, well, it's Matt White Motorsport and Nissan Motorsport, it's not good that you've got two Nissans running into each other. In a way, that almost indicates the um, the consistent level of performance across the Nissan fleet that they're racing each other so hard. Well, certainly at um, at Winton, they were racing each other so hard that well, for the entirety of this year, we've seen issues. We've seen we've seen races where Todd and Car- and Caruso have been racing each other hard. When mm. when when you're at a similar level of performance, when all your cars are at a similar level of performance. The guys you're gonna ra- guys and girls you're gonna race are the people in those cars, and uh, you don't you don't like to see it, and it's unfortunate that it continued that it's happened repeatedly this year. Although it must be said that in this instance, I think it I think it'd be a bit rough to try and apportion any or all of the blame towards JLB. I reckon I reckon Michael definitely had a bit of blame in this one. And I think that's what the, you know, the, the outcome and the coverage was, you know, after, you know, Caruso was hot under the collar after it and kind of blamed Jack, but I think once he sees it, he kind of didn't give Jack that much racing room after he went past him. Indeed. Also, so, probably, worth, also probably worth noting that um, Simona punted Davies off in the latest, latter stages, so it was one all in the Nixon Cup <laughs> for the Sunday race. Can't wait to hear about that in radio days. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Neither can I. Neither can I. It's uh, the infamous radio days. There's a, <laughs> the, there was an Instagram story with, uh, from Aaron Russell on the weekend where he was uh, glad that he made the cut of radio days even though he wasn't on track. He was very happy that he, oh, that he made it. So, I <laughs> well, think, uh, well, look, we aim to play. Yeah. <laughs> One of the, the crazy stories from QR was, um, I think, Will Davison yeah. and, what, and what happened with, with Techno because that's their test track, so they should mm. have gone quite well there. There's something not quite right about their form this year it seems to to fluctuate a lot and i don't think you can put too much of it on will because he's the reigning bathurst we know he's been a consistent performer he's been in factory teams for you know ford and holden he's the kind of guy that teams bring in you know so they can test their cars until they actually stand because he's such a consistent guy yep but for them to be cutting tires in that weird manner to the point where they have to pull the car out mm. uh it's it's a strange strange result for techno yeah i know I think they were asked whether they were had too much camber on the on the car, and they point blank said no. They were running somewhat conservative. So if it's not camber, it's got to be something else. Yeah, and, and Will's a, a fast driver in a triple eight car. He should be a championship contender. Yeah, 
right now he sits 16th in the points. So, but um, just how good is the Triple Eight car this year? I mean, you look at them historically. Well, it's good enough for second. You know, it's good enough for second in the points right now. Yeah, true, very true. But you look at Techno historically as a team; they haven't been a team that has had consistency as a hallmark. And a lot of a lot of people back when Van Gisbergen were driving for them pinned that on Shane. And okay, maybe that was some of it. But Techno have always been a team that have been absolutely on it some weekends and just not quite there on others. Mm. Perhaps what we're seeing this year is that, unfortunately, their peak isn't isn't a potential race-winning combination this year. It's maybe a top-five car, and that translates with what their lowest is, is. And, unfortunately, they're, I guess, battling for in its range between 5th and 15th. And it's... Yeah, I don't... The fact that the punctures over the weekend, the fact, the fact that they were getting absolutely zero indication that, or of when they were going to happen. I know I was listening to the radio, the second for the second one where Will nearly speared his brother, which would have been would have been awful. Will said he that one, which I think he posted an Instagram video of mm. in the last couple of days. He said he was very close. To that being a major, major, major accident, and he almost made the fence on the left-hand side, never try, trying to avoid his brother. Well, uh, yeah, as, as a separate thing, what did everyone make of Alex's performances? It was kind of nice to see him back in the category. He should mm. have probably had a co-drive last year, and I, I thought in 2015 at Erebus, he was one of the, the pick of the co-drivers, so that was kind of surprising. Mm. But is LDM really the kind of channel to to rebuild your supercar's career. Like, you're in a car that hasn't had a lot of updates. You've had a bunch of different guys in there all get the same results, Alex included. Yeah. So it seems like a strange kind of career move there, given he's always enhancing his reputation in Carrera Cup. Well, if you're trying to put yourself in the shop window, I'm not sure that doing it in LDM is the right way to go. And I think this is to kind of try to put himself in frame for a drive next year, but I don't see where he might fit in. Yeah, well, like Rollins has mentioned, or sorry, Alex mentioned that Rollins was considering him for a co-drive this year. So he's clearly well regarded by mm. people in the know. But it, it kind of speaks of the limited opportunities for drivers too, that the fact that he's willing to, to jump in this LDM car, that it, he probably understands he's not going to get the, the best result out of just to get in and race. Um, you know, he's always been the kind of guy that's spoken about how he's got unfinished business in supercars. And yeah. in 2013, he... He was kind of coming good towards the end. He had that great round at Phillip Island towards the end of the season. Mm. But this one just, it, it's, just it's a head-scratcher. Well, we talk about, like, mentioning looking for a shop window in which to showcase your talent. If, you're not doing, if you want to do that in a supercar, where else are you going this year? That's, that's the other thing. There's, there's such a depth of talent of available people now. Like, you look throughout the Super 2 field, there's, as, heck, as the wildcard program this year has shown, so many drivers out there who could legitimately stake a claim to a, cha- a regular championship race seat, but a guy like Alex Davison, unfortunately, is probably going to really struggle to get back into a full-time role. And I guess if there was a seat available at Arab- at, um, at LDM, it's not the be- it's an, it's a case where if you get everything right and you have a really good day you're going to finish 17th at the absolute best, like McConville did at Hidden Valley. Mm. And I don't... Yeah, I don't... 
I don't know what there is to be achieved by doing that. Even that result, though, you know, that's if you get 17th, which is an excellent result, everyone's going to say, well, it's good enough for McConville, who was a guy who has yeah. been out of the sport, you know, full time for that long. So mm. you're kind of set up to to just uh, I I don't even know. It's it's well, a strange one. Well, he's in the mix for you know for the the silly season for next year. His brother is also off contract at the end of this year. Will's off contract. And I think Stubbsy asked him about him on the Thursday, um, and he was, he, you know, he wasn't sure whether he was going to be at Techno. He was hope, I think he was kind of hoping, but wasn't sure. Could we see him bob up somewhere else next year? There's a few teams that should kind of push the boat out mm-hmm. to get someone like Will Davidson. As I touched on, he's the kind of guy who's consistent. Um, you know exactly what you're getting. I'm not sure what he's asking in terms of salary. That's his and his manager's of course. business. Yeah. But um, mm. there are teams that kind of should look to someone like that, like. Again, Nissen, he'd be a good, you know, a good replacement for Rick or Todd if either of those decided to step away. Because, mm-hmm. again, you'd see exactly where the car's at. He's mm. done it all there, um, and that's one of the few cars he actually hasn't driven. You know, if you if you look at his his history <coughs> too. So I hope he's got a place next year, whether yeah. it's at Techno or otherwise, because the it's sport shouldn't be losing high caliber guys no. for the sake of external circumstances like that. Well, if if not for Nissen, there's not many other seats that he could bob up at. I don't think. Well, the, I think the way the silly season works is we can talk about it all we like, but there's always someone in the background who's doing some crazy deal at the late, like the last minute that changes. You, you go back of course. To, to 2014 when Percat was at Walkinshaw and had that great rookie season, and then on the eve of the Sydney 500, he's uh, been turfed and you yeah. know thrown out to, to nowhere. And stuff like that happens quite a bit, so mm. hopefully Will's in, not left out. In the, well, in those situations, as like using Percat as the example, he bobbed up at LDM. People, it's very unusual for someone to make an upward move in a sudden, sudden transformation like mm. that. Well, James Moffat so, did a couple of years ago when he went from Nissan to to Volvo. At the time, you know the the Volvos were winning races, and and Will did it from Erebus to to Techno too. But uh, yeah, true. It, it seems odd, and uh, yeah, I, I personally hope he doesn't lose a spot on the grid. Mm. Well, oh, agreed. Absolutely yeah. agreed. Well, that's uh, something we will can talk about and keep an eye on in the next uh, couple of rounds. So far, the championship points, it's uh, McLaughlin and then Winkup, Coulthard, Van Gisbergen, Mostert rounds out the top five. Uh, Mark Winterbottom in six, which is a surprise considering the season that he's had. Uh, Lowndes is in seventh. Our old mate who we just spoke to, David Reynolds, is in uh, eighth. Garth Tander is in ninth, well ahead of his former teammates. And uh, Cameron Waters rounds out the top ten. Lewis, it's always good to speak to you. We will speak to you again after SMP. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Uh, Will, thank you very much. No drivers. Cheers, AJ. And uh, we will see you. Uh, We'll speak again after SMP. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Remember, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Spotify or sign up on the IPP app on Android. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you after SMP. SMP.